Do you think this royalty conversation is ever going to end? Or is this just going to be a forever game of cat and mouse like we've seen over the last two years? Yeah, that's a difficult one. I was hoping that we are at the stage where it's ended. But it's a game theory. Somebody wants to undercut another person to gain market share. And if it's not possible to undercut another person to gain market share, then okay. It's ended. There was the point when the operator filter was working, and I kind of hope that we'll get to the equilibrium again. Now is one of the main players to have zero royalties. Either they're moving them back, or royalties are dead, or people migrate from that place to the places where royalties are supported. And all of these three things are in equilibrium. So I don't think it's going to be an endless thing. It's going to end fairly soon, but. Fairless still a year or two. Yo, what's up with it, Adam? Happy Tuesday. Um, we are fresh, just out of Labor Day weekend, if you are a American living in the U.S. Uh, do you celebrate down in Costa Rica? I, I tell people, bro, I live on Twitter, bro. We don't get days off on Twitter. <laughs> 24-7, man. There's no, hol no such thing as holidays on, on X. Yeah, yeah, there definitely isn't. Looks like we're still we're uh, missing Bunzi and Dogfathers. I'm gonna ping them, and Alex is supposed to be joining us as well. So maybe I'll There's have Bunzi to now. Bunzi's coming in. Bunzi is here. I'm gonna invite him. Um, I'm going to message Alex to see what is good, man. But I see you. Let it. Let us know what you've been doing, man. I see you're posting a lot of these. Uh, daily updates you're trying to enter that domain which is now seemingly becoming quite competitive i guess everyone is kind of bored during this bear market and needs something to do dude it's it, well i'm what i'm actually doing more than just like i have no desire to be like the news guy um at all but i like i like testing out stuff and seeing what might like trigger the algorithm to do some different stuff uh because mm -hmm. i mean we have all seen this incredible implosion in our like our reach um so the algos definitely push down reach like definitely and obviously part of that is we're in like the wrong space right now you know if we were in ai we might be getting some better traction uh but but like the reach has been pushed down so much that i'm like well it's not just crypto it's um they've, they've tweaked the ai and so your your reach is not you're not reaching as many people and so obviously the the standard operating procedure is okay become a reply guy but i wanted to see too i think along with replying which i do think is valuable you know how can you create some different content and see how x responds to this different content so am i seeing a lot of engagement no. <laughs> but that's that's not to say look a lot of it might be my stuff just sucks right i'm just i mean I, i've always i've i'm always under the impression that if your stuff sucks, it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, so, you know, number one on the list is get better. Uh, but number two on the list, too, is is seeing what X is going to, you know, push going forward. And I do I do have a belief that, that video is going to be a big part of that. I, you know, whether or not that's true, you know, could be wrong. You know, X may not be a platform for video, even though they are kind of at least, you know, semi-long form we've seen with Tucker and stuff like that. That some of this long form video they've really pushed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I've been enjoying them so far. Bunzi, <laughs> what's good, man? GM, how was your uh, celebration of Labor Day weekend? If you're still there, you might be on mute. 
Is he still trying to join us from his laptop? He hasn't figured out his speaker. There you are, bro. What up? Sorry, guys. Dude, I heard your content sucks, Adam. <laughs> Apparently. I know what I, I'm going to just start blaming the algo for crappy content. Yeah, just you blame know. it on AI, dude. That's just, that's just going to work for a while. Dude, AI stole their ticker jobs. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, yeah, Labor Day weekend was amazing. Uh, mainly just worked. Uh, but, but yeah, now I'm excited to be talking with, uh, with Alex today. And um, I'm going to be driving a little bit. So if I cut out. Just let me know I'm rugging, and then other than that, soaked. On the road. All right, everyone that's on the space, too, make sure that you uh, retweet the pinned post so that everybody uh, can see it. That's not down in, uh, where's everyone at right now? The conference down in uh, South Korea? Is that where oh, everyone yeah, Seoul, South Korea, yeah. Seoul, South Korea, yeah. It seems like everyone is there. I saw Trevor um, and all the Bitcoin guys posting about. But without further ado, uh, I want to thank Alex for joining us. I'm, I'm very excited for this conversation. Rarible, one of the OG NFT platforms in the space. From my research, I believe also the first NFT marketplace to release a native token for NFTs. So I know you guys have been through uh, quite a journey over the last three and a half years or so. Um, but recently, Rarible's moved to a royalty-only platform. Um, to represent all of the creators out there who are being glossed over and looked over um, for the traders and for volume in a bear market where liquidity is quite tight. So, <laughs> Alec, thanks for joining us, bro. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'd love to start it off. If, if we have a, can you just give us a little bit of, of history? Because I do think, you know, Jake touched on it there. But being either the first, certainly one of the first to to have a native token, and um, you know have it have it be you know relatively successful uh, back then in I guess end of 2020, 2020. 2021. Um, can you walk us through what your guys' strategy was at that time, and then kind of walk us through how it went, just for people who haven't kind of heard that story? Yes. Of course, I can go over that. Well, wow, that's a lot to unpack. There's four years <laughs> of right now. And that's two lifetimes in the energy space. We started, let me go into like the brief, brief history of everything. We started in November 2019. We were maybe fourth or fifth NFT platform out of all NFT platforms existing. And OpenSea was there, SuperRare was there, I think Maker's Place was there by the time. And the space was very, very early. And that was the, the uplift from the bear market. And um, it, it, it was still a deep, deep bear, but it was the signs of promises of the bright future. And the thesis was that the NFT, the, the crypto space is finally ready for some retail people adopting it. It's not just as crazy anymore when you need to, when, if you wanted to participate in a crowd sale in 2017, you need to do a lot of squats to, to get to it. So not again, space is finally ready for some retail people. What retail people want, they want some fun, not the zero one per se PY or some difficult stuff. And that was the whole thesis behind NFTs. 
we go into crypto kitties and uh, what was missing is the ability to create NFTs. There was a lot of infrastructure, but there were no NFTs. There was a couple of copies of CryptoKitties and the only way to create an NFT was, okay, you needed to deploy your own contract. You needed to uh, develop the game. You needed to be a developer to create NFTs. That was, uh, there was a couple of platforms that allowed you to create NFTs, but if you're an artist and if you have been whitelisted, you needed to undergo the check. So we wanted to create the platform that would allow anyone to meet any type of possible NFTs. And, and we went with that on the market in, 20, in 2019. Just the very simple, it wasn't the platform for art. It wasn't the platform for something. It was the platform for general create any NFT. We didn't know what would pick up. Uh, ultimately, the art had picked up. The people, people loved the platform for openness. And that was resonating with, with, with the artist's desire to have the open, open platform for art. So we became the open platform for art. And, and all the big guys have used us uh, as, a, as a movement. Xcopy, Azinache, Fuckrender, all the great guys have used the platform uh, to create Puck. Puck was the top seller for multiple months. I think uh, Puck did more than a thousand ETH sales through Rarible uh, during, during this whole frenzy. That is the story about the Rarible as a crypto art platform. And about a year into the Rarible existence, we've been asking ourselves, okay, what is the next step for Rarible? We believe in the NFTs on a global scale, and we believe in the standard, and we believe in the digital ownership, again, broad digital ownership. So how can we tailor for more use cases than art? And we started to expand on the platform itself into the PFPs and other things, as well as the expanding the infrastructure on the protocol layer. We created the variable protocol as a product API uh, that you can create your own marketplace. So our, our global thesis for the next bull run is that we will use NFTs directly on the producer websites. There will be much more much, much more, like many more NFTs, many more types of NFTs, many more use cases of NFTs on many more chains. And all of that requires differentiation and some tailoring. And how do you achieve tailoring? You achieve tailoring through the ecosystem. So that's our broad view on the market with the broad strategy. Okay, we'll give you tools to drive the broad adoption of NFTs. And now the variable.com is the, our marketplace in that old picture is, um, is the broad tool where you can browse all NFTs across all chains. You can sort through them and you can, you can use them. And now that we, we support our, our, our biggest advantage is that we know everything about all NFTs, our indexing. And that's why when the, OpenSea was saying that they're like cutting the royalties off. We wanted to stand up for the creators that the story started with and 
basically become the go-to marketplace uh, for everyone who wants to have royalties. Go-to marketplace for everyone who wants to have royalties on their on their items enforced. That would be us. I, don't know, I, I cover it a lot. <laughs> well, before we get fully into royalties, which is going to be the huge part of this discussion, tell us about the the last ex experiment you guys did with, um, you know, rewarding buyers and sellers using the native token. Tell us about that that story, how it went down, and you know, kind of the arc of that. How did that How did that play out? All right. Yes, I missed that altogether. Uh, <laughs> that was the summer. That was the summer twenty twenty. Uh, the early, I think the, in the spring of 2020, the Bitcoin halving happened and we are going to see it again in the spring of 2024 and it catalyzed the market and we've seen the prices across the crypto to go, to start to go up. And the summer was, was called DeFi summer. The, that was the, the time when, when DeFi finally got, uh, adopted. By many people there was a lot of stable coins launching there was compound there was Aave, all this lending platforms that came to existence and there was the new there was the new primitive on the market called liquidity mining so when you have a marketplace or you have a money market or you have a lending market there is the thing, uh, there is this thing that the more liquid you are, the more people come to your, to your market. So why, for example, today, many people come to Blur because the Blur has the lowest floor price. It has the biggest liquidity today on the market. It, it was working the same for DeFi. Why people came to Aave because Avi has the biggest amount of borrowers and lenders, and that's why it has the lowest spread. And that's why people are trading on Avi. And that is why when you're launching the new product, it's worth spending some tokens to incentivize liquidity, to create this flywheel of people coming to your marketplace and for you to become the biggest liquidity place. And in the in the DeFi summer and we, and we took that and and used that for the nfts that was something that never nobody tried before to use that for nfts we used the liquidity mining program for nft marketplace we started rewarding people for buying and selling on our marketplace proportionally to their volume transacted the more people transacted on variable the more tokens they got Mm. And that was a blast. Everything spiked 10x, 20x, all metrics, users, volume, activity. Um, just before that, I think we did that in June. And the last month before June, the May, in May, we had $30,000 monthly volume on Rarible. 30000 By September, we had a million dollar monthly volume on Rarible. So uh, that, that was a blast. Ultimately, as the market was growing, uh, our rewards has waned because they're proportional to the market. At the peak, Rarity token was at the billion dollar market cap. 
uh, and then it, it was it was as always the incentives decay, but we've gained the market share and it was a massive success. There was things that we could have done better. Yeah, so so I pulled up here, Alex. Uh, we have this uh, Alex, or Adam and I are on video too. It says here the rareable twenty twenty in numbers. 24 million in trading volume, 100,000 unique items minted across 29,000 unique buyers and about 60,000 monthly visits. So right now, even in a bear market where, you know, the ETH NFT marketplace activity across all marketplaces is quite low. I did a research about it a few weeks ago and it was like around 15,000 active people, um, daily active wallets across all marketplaces. So even the these 2020 numbers are, you know, double where we are in this bear market, just to show kind of like how much attention Rarible had um, today. But now we see, you know, we fast forward to today and almost every marketplace has a token of some sort outside of OpenSea. Blur has the Blur token, Lux has the Lux Rare token, X2Y2, it goes on and on and on. But Rari has been around for over three years. And so now, where does Rari sit within the overall Rarible ecosystem? Is it something that you use to incentivize users? Does it have a plan to be tied into this royalty-only marketplace that maybe uh, becomes a little bit more attractive for creators, that you can give them a little bit more options? Uh, just dive in a little bit to yeah, fast forward three years later, and how, how does the Rari token look today in the ecosystem? Yes. Rare token is the essential part of the ecosystem. Um, we don't use it to incentivize trades too much anymore. We did a couple experiments last autumn with incentivizing when we were launching the aggregator. Uh, but currently, it's mostly used as the utility. So one of the biggest utilities of Rare is that it's a governance token of the protocol. And uh, there is the whole organization called Rarity.Foundation where you can you can go to their website and check. And that's a DAO that uses the Rarity treasury. There's 40% of the network still undistributed. It sits in the, in the DAO treasury. And people decide how will we use it. There is the ongoing roadmap of Rare Foundation to become the owner of the Rarible protocol. And that would make the cycle complete when the decentralized protocol is owned by the DAO and the Rare is the governance token. And that is the main type of utility. On top of this, there is a secondary utility on Rarible Marketplace. If you lock your Rare, if you lock your Rare, you forego the fees you 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 don't need to pay fees on rarible anymore if you lock your rare that's the secondary utility so for no fees this means no marketplace fees but the royalties will yeah. still be intact correct yes <laughs> excuse me all right got it yeah i've pulled it up here to show um there are FAQs here uh, on the foundation itself. 
And I saw, I, I posted a tweet at the top, uh, X copy, I guess, staked a bunch of, uh, a bunch of the tokens on, on different artists. Can you tell us how that works? Staking it to a particular artist or pool. Can you tell us that functionality? I think that's for that's super rare, Adam. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> they do they do sound quite familiar, but it does seem like these marketplaces um, are now trying to find different types of utility for their token. I think a lot of them offer different types of staking. Um, right, LooksRare has a staking that uh, provides, I think, a share of the the um, fee pool. You have super rares now done theirs with i still don't even know how how that yeah, works. i was trying to figure out how that even worked is like what is this how does it work you stared on this. yeah everyone's still trying to figure out i mean blur's uh token really has no utility outside of <laughs> just farming but it's just been kind of down only since then but but rareables also kind of separated itself even about a year ago and i actually think i talked about lean with this when i had lean on my podcast um, about the uh, marketplace or the the creator marketplaces where rareables kind of move to help uh, small time creators or small teams create their own marketplaces using uh, the Rari or the rareable infrastructure. Can you can you explain what that means and why a creator would work with rareable to build a marketplace using the uh, the rareable toolkit? Yeah. So that's the part of our ongoing thesis about the NFT space to proliferate and differentiate and verticalize. Instead of the root of the cause is we've seen that multiple times when people amass their following base, people create primary markets, usually on their own websites, may not usually, but many times on their own websites. Most PFP projects was doing the primary sales on their own website. And then they sent people away to another marketplace to trade that. So why would you send people away if you can just keep them in your community home? And that's where our toolkit comes into place of, yeah, you can, because the infrastructure is already in place, because the backend knows everything about all NFTs, you can create a front end just for your collection or just for your series of collections that would only have your own items and you can direct people to your, to your own marketplace where they don't need to, to worry that they would be scammed. It can be brand, brand safe. It can have your own domain name. And you send people there and they trade your NFTs. So that's, that's the promise of the community marketplace. Just, just, just have people on, on some, on some community home. And, and that's very easy to build with us. We have built it for CryptoPunks we want, for Pixel World, for Animoca, for Mochaverse, and as well for with Web2 brands, for Fox, for McFarlane Toys, for Mattel. Everybody knows what Mattel is now after the Barbie movie. <laughs> Yeah, so, so I've pulled up here using Rarible. There's actually, when you sort by collections, you can sort by marketplaces. Uh, Moonbirds is on top with 30 ETH in volume in the last 24 hours. And then you have CryptoPunks at 20. So, you know, there's a, a there's demand there for these community-owned marketplaces. So what what's in it for Rarible then? If, let's say, 
I'm Kevin Rose and right Moonbirds. We created this marketplace using Rarible. Uh, what what does Rarible benefit from this? Is there a revenue sharing component to it, or is there some sort of larger uh, agenda or mission to accomplish by uh, using or creating all of these kind of individually curated marketplaces? Yeah, because because it's all using our infrastructure. Yes, there is a revenue uh, component, revenue share component, as well as uh, we just want the the market to be better. Uh, so, I mean, we have the way to earn money with this. Oh, wow, I'm looking through all these marketplaces. There's thousands of them. <laughs> Yeah, you guys have done you guys have done a good job, right? So the top ten that I see here um, has anywhere from thirty ETH in volume to two ETH in volume in the last twenty four hours. You know the popular collections: Moonbirds, V One Punks, Wrecked Guy, MFers, Dead Fellas, and uh, Pixel Vault are just a few of them uh, in the top ten. But I'm assuming you guys have tons of different requests. I mean, even some of the Web Two brands right here, like Hot Wheels, uh, I see is here. Um, and then you move down a little bit and there's like some, some DC, like DC comics and hot yeah. wheels and, uh, even some sports with us, the official art ball of the 2023 us women's open. So I, I can see that from like a web two perspective. If you're trying to get into NFTs, you don't really know what to do. You'd probably lean on something, someplace like rareable to help build the marketplace, but also provide some sort of insight as to what's the right direction um, to go. Is that also what the marketplace offers is this type of like white glove service or kind of additional information for those teams who have a large community or a large brand, but maybe just aren't really familiar with, with the NFT space. Yep. Um, it is for the bigger verticals usually that want to have that are big enough that they are ready to have their own marketplace. That is the primarily working category. I've been exploring these PFPs that want to have a community home. For them, it's not that critical to have their own marketplace, but for for the big brands, for sure, it's critical. Once you have more than five collections, you start to think about how do I make sure people can even navigate that. If you will come to Pixel World Marketplace, there will be like 30 collections. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, all right, so kind of going to the bulk of this conversation then with, with royalties, it seems like this debate has been something that never ends. It pops up every few months because a major marketplace decides that they need market share because whatever kind of tokenomics are kind of putting them into the ground. Take us through the the decision-making of moving Rarible completely to a royalty a royalty only marketplace and even here um, on the tweet that I had pinned to the top it says Rarible will start stop aggregating orders from OpenSea, LooksRare and X2i2 by September 30th 2023 so are we now in a as we're recording this on September 5th 2023 are we is Rarible now officially royalty only and yeah take us through the decision making of that yeah so it is not yet Um, it is not yet. So the decision behind this is 
I was happy with the fact that royalties kind of reached an equilibrium. So there was there was a there was a moment in time when you could configure the operator filter this way that both lower and open C and variable would preserve relative. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. We can we can have relative. Relatives are safe. After last year battle, when everybody started to cut them, relatives were saved for a brief moment in time. Um, for a brief moment in time. And then over a sudden, OpenSea dropped royalties. And now we have this weird market where on Blur, only the collections as operator filter are enforcing royalties. On OpenSea, now, no marketplace that you can find anything. Most of the important collections that would have preserved royalties. And we want to become one. There is an there is an obstacle there, and it is that we are aggregating other marketplaces too. And if OpenSea doesn't pay royalties, you can still come to Variable, and you would buy an item to Variable OpenSea, and that wouldn't pay royalties. So it's a little, it's all confusing and and difficult and and not clear for the users and hurting for the market that there's a marketplace that is pro-royalties, but at the same time, there are items that don't pay royalties. So I wanted to make the message clear. We are the marketplace that is royalties, that is only royalties. If you link to variable, you would link to people, you would link to the place where the person would buy an item and they would for sure pay the royalties. And that's why we have to cut the open sea and it's the way to and looks rare aggregation. We do enforce royalties on top of pseudoswap aggregation, but we have a pseudoswap and we enforce royalties on top of that, so we're not cutting this. And by this, by linking to variable, you're linking to the royalty safe marketplace. We might need to come bring that back, the aggregation of open sea back with royalties on top of that. And to say, okay. You can still buy items from OpenSea with us, but the royalties would still be enforced. So that's the decision tree, right? Right now, we're not yet sure whether we would bring it back or like leave shut completely, but still the message is clear. If you link to variable, you're linking to the place that, that respects royalties, that there is no way to not pay them by using our pub. So does, doesn't this then put Rarible in a kind of a precarious situation when you compare it to the other marketplaces? Because the reason why, or at least the reason why we think that OpenSea is cutting royalties is because they're competing for market share against Blur. Um, Blur's kind of put, them, put their backs against the wall um, and taking a lot of that that volume. So if you're, you know, if, if you have the same collections, um, and OpenSea offers royalties and and Rarible doesn't, how do you get users to come over and, and support creators using uh, Rarible's royalty-only marketplace? Is there something, is this purely just like a social kind of move for 
creators to to feel for those that are putting out NFTs to pay that additional, you know, royalty? Or is there is there something else here that may incentivize or encourage uh, users or customers to to purchase an NFT that has a royalty uh, enforcement attached to it? Yep. Um, it does put us into a little of a disadvantage, but that would be sometimes more expensive to buy for us. But also, I think historically, the marketplaces, at least for uh, the creators and for retail, the marketplaces for retail has been uh, a reliant on relationship with the suppliers with the collections. OpenSea doesn't maybe maybe understand, maybe doesn't, how much it was king made by people linking to that. People trusted saying, okay, come by there because we as Yugoloks, for example, we get royalties back from all the transactions that are happened there. And then they were kind of uh, almost betrayed by, by that most saying, yeah, not anymore. Uh, so we want to establish the relationship with the with the people who created these NFTs, with the creators, with the collections. So if you know a creator collection that is pissed about royalties, send them our way. <laughs> we design the marketplace for them the right way. We would make a drop with the creator and we would they would link to Rarible and they would continue getting this royalty stream. That's that simple. And pro traders, yes, they would come to Blur, I think, looking for liquidity for uh, the best prices because they want to flip an item. Uh, that is like understandable. On retail, there is a little bit more to on the, the prices for NFTs. All right, Andy, I see you have your, your hand up. Uh, welcome to the stage. And uh, go ahead. Uh, I like this idea, Alex, of differentiation, which I, I, you know, I've looked at Rarible for like two years and I was on it for a minute till all the volume went away. And then I was like, why does this place exist? Like, I see, I saw, like, uh, I guess my question to you is like, this is a cool thing. Like, why else should Rarible exist in terms of differentiation within the marketplace? Thanks. Yeah, that's a great question. And that's uh, honestly a hard question because uh, OpenSea has been a retail marketplace and many people loved it for it. Blur has been the pro trader marketplace and many people loved it for it. Uh, there is many, many marketplaces that target specifically creators and, and, and people love it for it. The Rarible is kind of a little bit of everything but what we I, I blinked yes what we've been best at is to of open sea to be retail marketplace the broad retail marketplace where you can come search for items look for items and now that there is an opportunity to fight for retail market where open sea is fighting for the pro trader market yeah we're we're ready to do it retail people how how are you gonna how are Does you guys answer the question yeah thank you how let me ask you one more how are you guys, do you guys have any ideas of how to boost like zero, like the low to mid sort of level creators? Like, 
that's what I haven't seen been enabled, but a lot of promises about it, like throughout all the marketplaces. And I haven't really seen a single marketplace really do it. Like, I don't know if it's going to be, how maybe it's cross promotion in some brilliant way. I, I don't know. You guys are the business, but how, how, okay. uh, maybe you guys can serve that market. Like, is there some plan of attack to help out the little guy creator, like in NFTs or is your guys, you know, just, you know, more focused on, uh, you know, particular brands that you want to partnership or both? That's a good question. My, my question too, maybe if Alex hears this when he comes back up, one thing we've talked about and we've talked about on Spaces a bunch too is, is there a way or what's his thoughts on projects or artists rewarding collectors who actually pay royalties? I'd love to know because a lot of ideas have been kicked around about that, um, but would love to know Alex's kind of thoughts to that. You there, Alex? Alex, can you hear us? If not, maybe just uh, leave the room and then come back and I'll invite you back on stage. But, you know, Adam, it, it is really a good question. Um, I think everyone's really trying to figure out what that incentive model is. I think that's why a lot of these platforms are kind of leaning into these tokenomics because really what else can you do? <laughs> um, really, right? I mean, it's when you think about like crypto rewards or crypto incentives, the first thing that pops in your mind, it's an airdrop, right? I mean, that's what... That's how uh, Luxrare uh, bootstrapped liquidity. That's how Blur did. Everyone has been praying for years that the, they hope this is what OpenSea does. Who knows if that actually happens? You feel you feel like from OpenSea's perspective, that's kind of like their last ditch effort to, to bring the market back is to do a token. But then it's a likelihood that their kind of plan to IPO could go down the toilet. Um, but if it's to save your business, then... That's really what it is. So we, we've also seen some of these um, small NFT projects start creating like point systems um, to try to reward with like raffles and things like that. We had, remember we had uh, ice bags on from uh, the Kanpai Pandas team. What was that like two weeks ago? Yep. And they, they use a point system to where you just own um you own your Kanpai Panda and you get points and then you can like decorate your, your Panda with, uh, for, with like different types of traits, or you could go use those points and get put into a raffle to go win kind of like these small time or medium time prizes. Or you're like, Frank, can you try to give away Tesla's and things yeah. like that? <laughs> right. Yeah, paid sponsorships, sponsors who, who give away stuff to your holders basically. But it's still really tough because when you think about the value of some of these NFTs that trade, it's really right. Some of these are fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars, and you know that five percent royalty, you know, five grand goes a long way. They're like, why would I, right? It's this like incentive disalignment where it's like, why would I pay five grand to get put into a drawing to win two hundred dollar football tickets? <laughs> I can go buy the VIP box, you know, with that saved money kind of idea. So Alex, uh, can you hear us? Are you back? Yep, I'm back. Can you uh, hear me? Awesome. Uh, Adam, do you want to re-ask the question? Yeah. Have you thought about or, or what's your feelings on uh, this idea of like uh, rewarding collectors who pay royalties other than maybe on a platform level, but on like a, you know, a project level? What's your best thoughts on that kind of that idea right now? Yes, this idea was floated around multiple times, like let's try to reverse thing and instead of and instead of making people uh, forced to pay royalties, just incentivize them 
to pay it, but ultimately it's a little bit of the free market. And if you incentivize people to pay royalties by just paying them, it is kind of means that you pay royalties and not them. So that is more directly putting you into this, this incentive. So I feel like operator filter actually works and it would be better if just collections do ban the places that don't respect royalties. So Alex, um, Alex, from your, from your perspective, uh, then as an operator of an NFT marketplace for over three years, why do you believe from just from your personal opinion that OpenSea removed the operator filter and decided that royalties are officially going to zero? Is that a business decision from their end? Or do you think there's something else from the larger picture that the majority of the community is missing? Yeah, it feels like they're struggling to get the market share. And that's sort of like a reactive move. They're asking themselves, why did we lose market share? Or maybe because of the royalties. Well, in reality, it is true and not true in the same time. Uh, the royalties was the part of that, but also the UX component was the part of that. The token reward was the big component in that. And now it's very hard to move it all back. And by removing royalties, the world is still not moving back because the liquidity is not moving. I don't think we've seen the liquidity to move, at least yet. So, yeah, I, I don't think there is any anything behind the scenes moving forward rather than just competing with Blur. Sometimes the most simple thing, the, the obvious thing is, is it. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Also, that ETH NFT marketplace side, uh, I believe I saw a chart that it's at two-year lows right now in terms of volume and active daily users. So making that decision at the bottom of the market seems like very, uh, very crypto because we also have the bottom no matter if we're retail or if we're you know a commercial operator of, of a big marketplace. But there's another big debate when it comes to royalties, um, and, it, and it's kind of this idea of like a closed garden versus an open permissionless nature, where some users believe that NFTs are bearer assets, which means that they should be able to trade freely and that it's impossible to force royalties um, because it's not on the, the contract level, it's only on the marketplace level. Versus some of the users are talking about moving to this like closed garden model to where you can only buy or sell on this one platform, kind of like what you see with Super Rare. Uh, what is what is your stance on that? Do you believe that NFTs should just be free and permissionless? Do you think there is uh, a variety or an array of different types of NFTs for different types of marketplaces? And did did Rarible take into account this type of consideration when moving to a royalty only marketplace? Yeah, that's a great question. It's it's hard to answer. Um, there has been, there has been an attempt at the ERC twenty tokens market to in, to establish royalties. On I think in this DeFi summer, there was a variety of ideas that people tried to, uh, and some of them was let's try to tax the transactions on stable coins, and use that to provide liquidity 
and that ultimately failed. And that would be an argument in favor of, oh, NFTs cannot have this royalties and let's just, let's just leave them alone and not try to tax the transactions. But I think there are multiple of things like in the Steam marketplace where they do have royalties for the items and pay creators the fees that has been sustained. Also, operator filter, I think is pretty, pretty enforceable thing. Yuga said that we are blocking OpenSea and we're going to have other marketplaces to, to trade with royalties. So they are enforceable. And I believe that the whole thing with royalties came from the fact that they are not enforceable on chain. And now that we have some ability to enforce, I do believe we'll reach an equilibrium where royalties will be smaller. They're a little too big today. The 0.3% royalties on dust labs seems to be something logical for me. So I, I believe that royalties will, will exist. What are your thoughts on the uh, on-chain uh, enforced royalties? Like, uh, yeah. I don't think there is a solution for that. I think Chia is one that has uh, an option for, you know, enforcing it on chain. I think that I'm sure there's others. I'm not super expert on the technical uh, to explain it, but I think at the protocol level, you can enforce the contract of royalties. Yeah. It's a marketplace or it's a collection. Yeah. I think, well, Chia, Chia is like a whole nother blockchain. So yeah. that. that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, well, maybe we need to have our chains in <laughs> I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's, that's a ridiculous a possibility, um, or, you know, or, or that our existing protocols need upgrading to enforce it if possible. Yeah, that's a good point. So it, does, it, it isn't fully possible on ETH. I think Solana had their NFT standard up, upgraded across the whole, across the whole ecosystem. So that, um, you can enforce royalties on chain. On ETH, due to the architecture, every NFT is a different contract and you need to enforce it on the contract level, on the, on the chain level. Yeah, it does seem like there have been like a handful of attempts at creating this kind of on-chain royalty standard. I pulled up here on, on the screen for those that are watching on, on YouTube. Um, there was ERC-2981 royalty standard, um, which I believe Manifold Foundation and Rarible Ultra also uses as well. There's the royalty registry, right? There's the royalty operator filter. I believe Gabe um, Layden is also trying to create some sort of like on-chain royalty standard. Um, the hard part here, though, is getting you know new creators to, to use this and then kind of push the direction and momentum that way. But Rarible is named here in these documents. Uh, so what is, again, it's, I guess it's just an extension of the previous question, is that how does Rarible go about evaluating these different types of contract standards that are using some sort of royalty engine to enforce royalties? Is, would Rarible just go ahead and adopt any type of standard that has some sort of royalty enforcement? Or is there... Um, some type of deliberation that happens internally to decide what's the right way to go about this. 
Yeah, I think the standards are all a function of adoption. So this ERC two eight nine one two nine eight one yeah close <laughs> yes it it's a signaling so it's a it's an idea of how can we make sure that marketplaces at least know what a collection expects of a royalty sent to which address to send it to and we actually before manifold implemented that we had our own version of this uh, if you wanted to have your royalties enforced variable, you could add that to your to your collection, a, spe a specific field, just the field inside the NFT collection that oh, we want royalties we expected to to have here. It 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 was working for us, but it wasn't adopted as widely, and that's why when Manifold in introduced this, we went ahead and. Uh, and supported this just because it, it makes sense. I I think that's was the only one that we supported all, all the royalties. I haven't seen too many new ones that also make sense. Yeah, man. It, I mean, it's tough. And also, this this leads perfectly into kind of the, this next topic or idea is moving into this kind of multi-chain world. Uh, Rarible supports, I think, four different protocols. ETH, Polygon, uh, Mutable X, and I believe there's one other in there. Um, as you know, and you can see on stage, Adam and I work at Emblem Vault, which is also kind of this multi-chain tool that allows NFTs from all blockchains to trade on most blockchains. Uh, do you believe that this is kind of the future of where NFTs are going? Is that ultimately when it becomes you know, maybe mass adopted, that NFTs are just minted on hundreds or you know dozens of different types of platforms and then how does rare how is rareable deciding to implement that type of strategy i mean evaluate different types of, of nft ecosystems on different blockchains yes we've been one of the first to go multi-chain with tezos and flow and solana and the promise was let's create the one place for people to go and trade multiple NFTs across multiple chains. And what we saw is people actually don't want it that. <laughs> many, <laughs> many layer ones have such a different communities that it's almost religious. And I'm into ETH a lot. And there's this thing that I almost don't meet Solana people. They, they kind of exist somewhere, but I, I so rarely intersect. And that's not only the case for me, that's also the case for many other people. So these communities are very tight. And what we currently see is that this, this future of many interconnected chains kind of happening around ETH and layer twos. So we're slowly duplicating the other chains um, and concentrating on EDM chains to say like uh, we will support optimism and Arbitrum and Base, Mantel, and all of that would sometime be all interconnected with bridges because it shares the same user base. And 
I guess then why, why only EVM? You said that they're all interconnected, um, but we do see, you know, chains like Solana or even non-EVM non chains like Solana or even kind of the emergence of, you know, Bitcoin ordinals coming into place. Um, is it that you, that you guys are choosing EVM because it's just easier technically to build that vertical stack or is there, is there something else um, outside of that um, that has turned you to this way to just build within the, the EVM stack and kind of ignore some of these other ones that may be, may be a contender um, here in the near future? Yeah, it's both. It's both it's easier technically and that the ecosystems are too far away from each other. Ethereum people use MetaMask and Coinbase wallets. A lot of people use Phantom. You have two different wallets. You have different collections. You have different communities. Why would you want them to exist on one marketplace? And I think OpenSea also learned that when they introduced Solana and they weren't able to take any market share from uh, Magic Eden on Solana. People already use existing the connected community. The same for Aptos, let's say. They used a different wallet that introduced a bunch of complexities and the future is just too far away yet from having full interoperability between Ethereum and Solana. But much closer for interoperability between Ethereum and Layer 2s. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Adam, we've learned this huh, over the last year <laughs> of working with Emblem and trying to build all, bridge all these communities together. Um, yep. there is this, there's this tribal nature, um, about yeah. it. That's true. Yeah, man, it's tough. Adam, what do you, what do you think so far? Uh, how do you, how are you feeling about a multi-chain future? Uh, <laughs> and then royalties, it, it leads me to this, like, you know, this idea when multi-chain does come, uh, cause it does seem pretty inevitable, at least from my perspective. You know, there could easily be just one chain. I'll just use our chain, right? right? Like Optimism, NFT marketplaces decide to go to royalties or zero royalties because that's how the culture is built. It, when there is this like interoperable, you know, world, you can easily just move your NFT over to this chain and then just keep circumventing royalties and just becomes this like never ending game of cat and mouse of, right? The, the traders then go, move their assets to different chains so that they can have, you know, the best fee rates and, uh, those that are, that want to support creators are then kind of stuck, you know, maybe just, they, maybe just these collectors, um, kind of live on this, this chain that has royalty enforcement. Do you think there's any way to really prevent that? Or do you think this royalty game is forever a game of cat and mouse? Because that's kind of where I'm leading to. Um, at least at what I've seen over the last two years. Did we lose Alex? We might have lost him again. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I wish there was an easy answer. Oh, there he is. He's back. My internet is funky. Oh, you're okay. You're okay. Uh, yeah. So I guess just one of these last questions, because I know you're you're quite busy, and we're coming up here on on an hour. Do you think this royalty conversation is ever going to to end you, or is this just going to be a forever game of cat and mouse like we've kind of seen over the last two years? 
Yeah, that's a difficult one. I was hoping that we are at the stage where it's ended. Uh, but it's it's a game theory. Somebody wants to undercut another person to gain market share. And if it's not possible to undercut another person to gain market share, then okay, it's ended. Though there was the point when the operator filter was working. And I kinda hope that we'll get to the equilibrium again. Uh, now is one of the main players to have zero royalties. Either they're moving them back or royalties are dead or people migrate from that place to the places where royalties are supported. And all of these three things are in equilibrium. So I don't think it's going to be an endless thing. It's going to end fairly soon, but fairly soon is still a year or two. Well, I guess it's like we get to the the end, and it's what? What are there even any marketplaces left? Or you know, how do these marketplaces stay in existence if they can't earn uh, fees? Like, where do you see that? I mean, what's what's the end game as far as your kind of vision of it right now? I'm hopeful that we can preserve world. That would be very cool. That's good for the space, and it's. It's sad to have things that good for the space to, to not exist. So I think, yeah, the end game, there's definitely end game exists for NFTs. NFTs are a great market. I all believe in it. So there will be marketplaces for sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to think about like kind of what's next from, you know, the positive and the negative, if royalties are for, in fact, you know, going to zero, then you think about what's the next trend and then you're like, Oh, marketplace fees are probably going to go to zero next. Right. As everyone kind of competes for this market share, it just, it's forever this rat race. And it's not, this isn't just NFTs. This is pretty much any, you know, free market where uh, there's just a lot of competition and you're fighting over a little bit of liquidity. But but we're also right at the depth of the depths of a bear market, or at least we hope so. Um, and when the market's hot, no one really cares. If everyone's making money, no one really cares of paying this two two percent royalty fee or five percent. Maybe it did get a little bit bloated, right? Where some people yeah, were a little ten percent royalty fees. There, there were ten percent royalties that people were paying. I mean, how crazy is that, right? It's amazing. That I have seen this debate where maybe there maybe art royalties should be higher at 10% and then maybe there should be some sort of standardization for royalties for larger collections like 2% or something i'm just throwing a number out but maybe 2% royalties across the board for pfps uh do you alex how do you how do you feel about that do you do you try to segment nfts by their classification examples like art you know historical nfts collectibles gaming etc do you think there? Do you think maybe a good alternative or solution would be, you know, royalty standardization across the different sectors? Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, royalties for art to have ten percent is kind of feasible. Uh, for PFPs, not feasible at all. So that would also be nice if just collection themselves can choose that. Okay, the PFPs that just 10% royalties are just like outcome pets. 
outcompeted by the, the PFPs that sell like 0.3% royalties. Yeah, that's like the marketplace to decide that. Yeah, zero point three percent royalties. That's uh, that's like a DeFi standard for like bridges and some of these DeFi stuff. <laughs> Once you get to NFTs and put a picture on it, right now it's all of a sudden ten or twenty times that. <laughs> uh, if there's a, if there's anybody in the crowd too that wants to ask ask Alex a question, you know, before we before we wrap this up, um, feel free to come on stage. Uh, but Alex, dude, I really appreciate your time for for coming on. I know it's a this type of conversation. Um, it feels like it's never going to end and it feels like the Twitter community is just exhausted by it. Every time, you know, something, some decisions made, you see everyone start crying on, on Twitter spaces about how they're tired of having this conversation. But ultimately, if we ever want to have a solution for it, then we have to, um, we have to have these conversations. Bunzi coming in hot. Yeah, no, I mean, we have the marketplace experts up here. So I just wanted you guys to, how to sit back and take notes. Um, but I mean, the thing about marketplaces that are interesting to me is like we move towards a technology that can help mitigate the middleman, right? And now we resolve back to relying on a marketplace and these centralized entities to kind of facilitate what could potentially be a peer-to-peer -peer transaction. I mean, as we discussed royalties and all of this, like, you know, is there any concern that marketplaces, you know, get replaced with just peer to peer or because you think, see things like Noster and like where keys move from, you know, place to place and a, mar a marketplace that can, you know, not be siloed seems like the natural next step because just you see X2Y2 and all these other things on ETH start to aggregate these things, but I just want to hear your thoughts, Alex, because it sounds like you have a very solid understanding of how important liquidity is for, you know, big market movement and things of that nature. But do you see marketplaces ever really seeing a big push from a peer-to-peer -peer network, like specifically for NFT marketplaces, I guess you could say? I know that's kind of contradictory, but like without a marketplace um, being the main facilitation of them? I think the marketplace has to move towards the protocol layers, but I don't see them to be replaced at this peer-to-peer network at all altogether. More like Uniswap. Uniswap has the great way to do it. You can trade the Uniswap through wallets, and everybody who aggregates it and the main Uniswap app will kind of this model. Yeah, I think. That's like a good example. I think like, especially as more marketplaces, it becomes easier to stand up and like the technology just becomes like more open source, I guess you can say like, uh, who's the, the marketplace that, fuck, um, forget the name right now, uh, but they've kind of made their, their marketplace open source and now uh, anyone can kind of access it, but I don't know. I just think it's interesting as we move towards a technology that doesn't need middlemen uh, that I think it's just the nature of NFTs being like a, a traded commodity, less more than like a collector. I guess you can see them as like a pawn shop, if you will, with like a place to go and enter and exit positions. So I guess there'll always be a necessary piece, but I don't know. The royalty part's definitely interesting. And I think 
the short term, my, my theory is like, if you have a desirable enough collection, you facilitate the technology to trade it. And if you're relying on a marketplace, like they, they should decide whatever the fuck they want to do with it because you know, you didn't build anything. You're just like, they're just giving people something that they can use and need as a tool. And I think relying on them to pay and enforce your, what you want is, is just not really it. Yeah, it's tough, man. We all, we all want peer to peer, you know, trading for everything. This has been the goal of crypto, kind of since its inception, is to really cut out the middleman uh, for for every type of transaction, for every type of of need. When we get there, actually, who really knows? Turns out that scaling decentralized technologies is actually quite tougher and a lot more expensive than than we had all previously thought or wanted. <laughs> it's hard out there, man. Tech is hard, bro. Tech is hard. Tech is hard. We've learned that. Uh, so I guess hey guys, what? What you say, Alex? Yeah. I want to say that I I need to go now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really nice chatting with all you. Appreciate. Thank I, you for extending the invite. Yeah, appreciate it, Stay Alex. Good. Man, best of luck out there. Uh, we're cheering for for Rarible and for Creator Royalties. I think uh, all the creators really are. All right. Thank you so much. I'm hopeful for the market. appreciate it yeah man it's uh it's tough the nft or the marketplace wars is uh continually just out there i mean two weeks ago was it one week or two weeks ago we talked with uh ordinal's wallet about the the marketplaces on the ordinal site and even harry's in the crowd about it and even over there it's continual war as well i mean they still have they never had royalties over there, <laughs> but never had royalties. Although we did see Gamma come out and uh, say that they're going to support royalties. Um, I don't know really how the, how well that's been doing. Bro, it doesn't. at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. If there's no volume, if, if there's no market, it literally doesn't matter what they do. You can have no royalties, you can have rewards, you can have all these kind of layers, but at the end of the day, if you know there isn't enough liquidity in the market and there's not an interest, it do, it literally doesn't matter. But I mean, these are the things that cause the market. Like people think the market just merge out of like thin air. No, it comes from these concepts and these toolings and the adoption of them. Like we see spikes do not because all of a sudden the globe's like whoa NFTs. No, it's like the you know some of these really big protocols and these like you know technology advancements and then people like then they gravitate towards it so i think it's like a catch-22 there it's like you can't just have a great market without any innovation you can't just all right this is what we got where the fuck's the market everybody (laughs) it's uh it's it's kind of just that that cycle of when the next innovation hits um we'll see more adoption and i mean we've seen that cycle like time and time again so I don't know. I, I do agree, but I, I do think that these discussions and whoever creates the solution to them will cause, you know, the quote unquote market to return. I agree with you. Agree with you there. Yep. It's, I mean, I don't think royal, I think royalties are personally going to zero. Um, it's really hard to enforce you. I mean, if you want these like closed gardens, then, then go ahead, but it's not really, Crypto product, I guess it's maybe on some sort of crypto rails, but 
it's not the true ethos and that's kind of where the heavy debate goes but yeah buns you are right it's when you get down to these kind of depths where there isn't much liquidity there's a lot of these like chicken or the egg situations where it's like how do you attract users but users aren't going to come unless there's liquidity right and then liquidity isn't there unless there's users right so then it's like on the marketplace level it's like how do you separate yourself with a product to encourage users to come over and I mean, Rarebulls, they're, they're trying, right? They, they have the whole, we'll create your marketplace for you for, for creators, which is cool. You know, you have a lot of those smaller projects there where it's more of like a landing page, um, which is still, you know, it's better than nothing because um, marketplaces are tough to build. Um, and they've tried to move multi-chain. Right now they said they're scaling, they're pulling back their multi-chain adventures. It looks like OpenSea is kind of doing the same thing as well. And going back into these, we're just going to focus on one marketplace. Uh, Magic Eden, I think, has done a re- probably pretty the best job so far at really having success on two different chains um, where they're kind of like taking command of Ordinals and they're the number one on Solana. But their ETH NFT marketplace is, has literally zero volume and their Polygon marketplace has pretty much zero volume as well. So it's like, it's that from the Magic Eden perspective, I think it was more the brand that yep. brought everyone over. Marketplace that even Polygon has more than zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. Well, I mean, I was trying. I was trying the to Starbucks bring, Marketplace. You buy your your uh, Starbucks points. <laughs> I was trying to bring this question up to to Alex, um, and it's one of the reasons why I think royalties are kind of going to zero as well. You know, if you do believe in this kind of multi-chain future where these tools are like like Emblem or whichever other NFT protocol or multi-chain protocol pops up, not every blockchain, it's going to be impossible to force every blockchain to implement a royalty standard. And let's say Ethereum somehow manages to convince everybody to, you know, use this new um, ERC-2981 standard or whichever one is on-chain royalty enforcement. You can easily just use Emblem Vault or one of these other tools and then just go take your asset to a different chain where there is 0% royalties or 0% marketplace fees, right? So now instead of on the marketplace level of having this conversation, now we're having it on the blockchain level. Of course, this conversation is probably a few years down the road, uh, but it's just this this chicken, or it's, it's this uh, game of cat and mouse. That's To me, it's never going to end. And so if you just commit to saying, all right, this is zero, now let's just go push the world let's go push this forward and find other ways to monetize i do think that's kind of where you should be as a creator is to find out what's the incentive model instead of trying to enforce people i mean traders are going to trade collectors are going to collect and right that uh, supporters are going to support and so i think you need to just really lean into that instead of trying to put everything in one basket yep yeah the bummer here is is like one of the big value propositions for digital art is like obviously the provenance and the scarcity that you can add but it was kind of like this wow artists can yeah. essentially earn you know royalties in a you know an industry that they usually just get really fucked over because like royalties on art if it's through like a, a high-end uh, gallery there that still can be, be implemented but once money gets involved in anything people start to act fucking shady so like this happens in the music industry a lot as well. Like royalties on music, like numbers get skewed and all this stuff. Um, one sec. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's the same for everything. Look at YouTube, look at Twitter for social media, right? Like creator payouts would be equivalent of, of royalties based off of your content. 
a lot of the users are moving to the incentives of, hey, we're going to move to Twitter. I saw like Tiffany Fong and some of these other people saying they're making more money on Twitter now than they are with with uh, YouTube, where they have more subscribers over there. And I think it's kind of a similar situation, right? Instead of replacing NFTs, now you're, now you're using engagement um, as kind of the mechanism to, to make money and to get paid out in royalties. It's the same thing with the marketplaces. People, users are just going to go wherever the incentives are. Exactly. And I think the, the main thing is, is like, like you said, like just the way that it was all created, like this whole thing wasn't implemented from the beginning. And people always find a way around royalties if they really want to. But I think it's just like back to like, I guess, I, I don't know, I, lack of a better word, like real life transactions where taxes, if you want to get around them, you can get around them. Like, and I think just if artists really want to do this, the short term solution is just like, you know, set up your own, build your own technologies and your own marketplaces to facilitate that. But at the protocol level, like royalties just can't be enforced. And that's just the fact of the matter. I think that's just like the bottom line. Yep. Yeah. Getting, getting people to move to a completely different standard is going to take years to do. It's not impossible, uh, but it's going to take a, lo- a long time to get, to, to get users to break that habit, to get the new class to come in whenever that next bull run comes, to get them using that and to then eventually push you know, the social shift and sentiment over to being, you know, using these royalty uh, enforced contracts, it's it's going to be really tough. I just don't see it. On the other, on the yeah, other, oh, good. That that's kind of the trippy part too. Is like it's kind of like the Twitter thing. Is we have artists come and create this stuff. So it's like if we can't incentivize them though as well, that's like an interesting dilemma of like. I mean, Twitter's Twitter because of the people that come and create content on it. And if they're incentivized to make better content, we get better content. Twitter becomes better. I mean, how is that going to happen with, you know, art and NFTs at their current state? Because the word utility hasn't really panned out for everybody. And um, like art is and collectability has really been the only thing proven to be worth anything. Um, So I don't know. Super interesting to think about it in that sense. It's like the chicken or the egg again. It's like, all right, we want a better market, but how are we going to incentivize artists with no royalties as well? It's kind of trippy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from a creator standpoint, if you OpenSea, OpenSea's not moving to zero; they're moving to a tipping model. And so, what we've seen through you know at least the last six to eight months with the tipping model, it pretty much goes to less than one percent, right? It's pretty close to zero. So, for a creator, you know, it's unfortunate you have to again, you know, put the team on your back, and you know, you had it nice, and you had this revenue, and now you got to go in and build, you know, a new type of incentivization model, but. I still haven't really seen any teams reward reward collectors or owners for for tipping, right? Um, to me, it's That's just about the dumbest shit I've ever heard of. Tipping? <laughs> yeah, we need on-chain enforced royalties or these marketplaces or both or whatever. I mean, tipping, all this nonsense. Like people post these like opinions about optional, like this and that, or like you know. I mean, I was just fucking stupid. I so agree you- with you. 
in this example, you don't uh, think you don't 100%. think it, you don't think it's pot. You don't think it's possible we can move to this this world where let's say you have, let's say you have I don't know PFP collection or whatever, and then you're going to then move to add a secondary collection, a companion collection, or it's for a game or whatever, and you say that those who have been you know tipping um, will will receive the airdrop or they'll get on the allow list to mint for free, and then everyone who's not paying royalties has to pay point one ETH or whatever. That's interesting. I like that. I, I mean, there's there's so many options you could do with this. It just doesn't seem like I haven't really seen any creators really pursue this. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, it, yeah. Is that possible? That obviously, as you put it, like yes, that's a possible thing. Does that? I mean, do you really see that taking off? Like in my in my estimation, like either your project has no royalties and everybody understands that, or it has royalties and everyone understands that. That's the future to me, and it's very clear and simple. And yes, sure, maybe there's some format that will coexist and allow for some kind of optional opt-in or you get rewards or whatever. But that is a very convoluted system that's adding a layer to an already what most in the world and even many, and I would say is reality and most in this space would also agree is a rather convoluted uh, technically sort of system as far as buying and holding and if you get permission and in this community and all that. So no, I'm not very excited by that. What I was excited by was artists, you know, as was the original promise, artists, project creators, whatever, having this, you know, enforceable, so we thought, revenue stream um, that, that would enable long-term projects, um, you know, in certain capacities to do amazing things based on residual income. In Europe, they already have protections where, on secondary sales, where if you're an artist and you sell a piece for $100 and then it becomes a million dollar, you know, piece later sold, you get some X percentage of it, um, you know, which I think is nice. Um, I think that it's a really cool uh, revenue stream model. I think that it enables so many cool things potentially for things to exist into the infinite, just if they have any kind of volume. That is very simple and very cool. I think that all of these people whining about, oh, no, my 2% on my JPEG, my 5% or whatever, that's what you signed up for with that project. So if you don't like that, don't buy projects that have royalties and allow, you know, what we're going to do is have royalties be enforced. That's the future. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I'm just more so throwing ideas out there. Ultimately, what's a proven model is 0% royalties and you hold back a certain amount of the supply. Larva Labs has done it. Chromie Squiggles has done it. A lot of these different people have done this. Um, and it seems to be quite effective. And then you use that treasury to your to your advantage to not essentially just dump on on you know your collectors. That's not really what happens, is you use these to either borrow against or you, you know, you submit them or give them out to the right type of individuals. I mean, Snowfro took what almost three years to mint out the extra 1,000 squiggles and he, he'd given them to a lot of prestigious collectors and give them out to museums and it seemed like that's worked out quite that's well fine. so far sure sure so that's a possible mechanism uh that can work for some collections and you know is viable as a possibility you know as you say that's fine i appreciate that as is you know some kind of tipping or optional opt-in model however also what is going to exist is what i'm saying which is enforced royalties on a project as you go into it 
that will allow them to not need to withhold supply for whatever reason, or, you know, that's still a limited amount versus an infinite amount of revenue, uh, you know, from taking a cut on the volume. So if people are fine with that going into a project, which to me, I would appreciate that if, you know, gener- not, you know, it depends on the project, but gener- but, but, but I find that to be a fascinating and innovative and awesome, uh, you know, model is saying, hey, if people care about this shit, if people are buying and selling it, whatever, um, you know, into the infinite, that will allow us, you know, in this mechanism to fuel us. So that will, oh, that, in my opinion, will be always an option and is an important, uh, you know, uh, thing, uh, option for projects and artists. Yeah, I like your take. I agree. Shall be shall be interesting, uh, to say the least. Where, wherever it goes, man, marketplaces are uh, they're getting punched. A lot of them are getting a lot of right hooks and left hooks, trying to figure out what's what's the right option. I think just specialization. If you're a marketplace, um, you need to, as it's shown, at least through the numbers. Again, we're pulling up that stat from two weeks ago where where Super Air had 0.83 ETH in 24 hours in sales. Right, Ooh. they're 10% royalty. The market markets are showing they don't want this closed garden with royalties, and they're gonna they're gonna take their dollar somewhere else. And so, Super Rare introduced this new staking mechanism with their token. Again, going down this tokenomics model of trying things, throwing it at the wall. We did this in the ordinal space over the last eight months, trying to figure out what would work right, and just throwing things at the wall. You know, you throw 100, and maybe five or 10 of them stick, and then right, and then everyone competes kind of for that market share of what people are interested in. Um, if you're a creator, I don't know, there's a lot of serious evaluations, um, that you need to consider, um, when moving out or moving into it, whether it's a PFP, art, gaming, music, collectibles, whatever the case is, uh, it shall be interesting. Um, but appreciate everyone for coming up, dude. And Andy, really appreciated a lot of your takes today. Uh, very concise and straight to the point, dude. Hope to, hope you can join us again. For everyone that's that's new to this, we host this show every Tuesday and Thursday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Tuesdays, we have guest interviews, and Thursdays, we talk about all of the news and hot topics throughout the week. Right As we're recording this, and we'll probably talk about this on Thursday, MetaMask has now created a fiat off-ramp. I just, they just posted that about 20 minutes Woo! ago. Didn't so see you, that. You could cash out your MetaMask to your bank account. You're probably going to have to KYC. That's probably their secret backdoor to get everyone to KYC their MetaMask. <laughs> um, but that'll be interesting. We'll talk about that next Thursday. Awesome. Uh, but Bunzi, it sounded like your audio quality improved drastically. Are you on a new microphone or something? No, I just got out of my car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually checking the surf right now. Uh, Do you say you're surfing? Checking the surf, living the dream. Pretty good. Damn. All right. Well, Adam, any final words before we close this up? Bro, it's all going to zero. (laughs) No. (laughs) It is fun, man. These marketplaces, bro. It is. It is. It is like it is the most cutthroat. This is what free markets are, man. Uh, At the core, this is what free markets do, uh, which is drive prices down for everybody. And uh, so, in reality, it's a good thing. But it sure doesn't feel good as you're going through it. Yeah. Benzie, do you have something to say? I think the, the, the yeah, for creators, it's like control what you can control. <laughs> like if you're relying on a network to, to pay you when it's a peer-to-peer open network, just like think about it like cash. And the art example is like 
you better believe people are going to pay for that shit in cash too and not pay royalties even in Europe. So it's yeah. like, I think the best solution is like, uh, con- again, control, we control Jake. I think that solution that's been the thing on XRP and all these chains before uh, royalties is like, keep a small supply. Cause I do think creators need incentive to, mm-hmm. to push their project forward. And if royalties were that before, like you need to come up with something else because this network's going to keep developing. There's going to be new things, but at the end of the day, it's like you can't control everything. And if OpenSea dictates your career, then you're doing it wrong. Yep. Absolutely well put. Yeah, Adam and I, and we talk about this at Emma Vault all the time too, is that you know royalties go to zero. We've had to change our business model multiple times, so we try to focus on things that we, we can control, right? There's certain things. Every project has certain things that only you can control, and so you should really just focus on those and then build it out because relying on the rest of the ecosystem, as you've seen, there is a, there's a lot of ticking time bombs out there. <laughs> You're going to get rid <laughs> gonna get wrecked all right everybody uh we'll see you in two days at 11:30 a.m eastern time thursday uh we'll see you guys then thanks guys